I'm Misha Likaros, and you're listening to Digipod, the official podcast of IMAP, the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Welcome to the latest episode of Digipod, the official podcast of the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. I'm your host, Michel Decaros, and I am joined today by Media Director of Unilever Philippines, Mr. Dennis Perez. Hi, Misha. Nice to hear you again. <laughs> nice to hear you. So we are now on our um, third episode, and I think we had uh, you know interesting conversations for the past two um, uh, episodes of Digipod. Absolutely. Um, we've been learning a lot. We've been talking to some of our good friends in the industry and really getting a lot of good insights. This um, whole podcast thing was a good idea. Yep. And uh, just like what I mentioned in one of the episodes, uh, the, the nice thing about a podcast is that you know you can deep dive into a certain topic and you can really spend a lot of time discussing the ins and outs of how to do things, especially uh, on topics that are not usually discussed openly in the industry. And I think uh, the topic today is also interesting because this is not a common topic that you hear from um, industry events. And that's all about one-to-one marketing. Absolutely. And another thing that I enjoy, um, based on what you said, you know, about industry events, I miss the events. But here, I think because it's a podcast, we're a little bit freer with the format. You know, it's a little bit more casual. Our guests are not necessarily giving us a spiel. I I like seeing where our conversations go. And so far, so good. This is fun. Want to hit your target market with just a fraction of the cost? Dive into the blue ocean of podcast advertising, the medium that makes sure that retention and conversions equals your ROI. What are you waiting for? Schedule a demo today at advertiser.podmetrics.co. Okay, so our topic for today is one-to-one marketing. Um, do you have any thoughts on the, on the subject? Well, it's a, it's a new way of doing marketing. And, you know, the interesting thing about one-to-one is um, it, it happened because uh, digital penetration is actually up. If you look at a traditional way of doing marketing, whether it's television, radio, or print ad, you cannot really do one-to-one. And it's all about like one-to-many. It's about marketing to a certain demographic. But the nice thing about digital and because of the data that, that comes along with it, you know, I can talk to you, Misha, as Misha. Or, you know, a, a brand can talk to, to, to Dennis as Dennis. And uh, for an advertiser, it's quite exciting because now I, it's possible for me to have a direct relationship with the consumer, which I cannot do in other platforms outside digital. It's kind of hard. I mean, well, it's not hard to imagine. I, I mean, we all remember it well, but it's just incredible to think how personalized brands can be now to with the consumers versus, you know, old school shotgun approach where you make an ad, you hope somebody sees it. You hope that your target is watching TV at a certain time of day or, you know, they see your billboard when they drive past. This is a new frontier. And I think it's more important than ever now because everybody is stuck at home. So the brands really have to make the effort to go to them. But what you said is true, Misha. It's really hard. Easier said than done. Everyone will not um, you know, say anything against one-to-one marketing, mm-hmm. but doing it 
you need to collect a lot of first-party data. You need to collect a lot of emails, uh, mobile numbers in order for you to be able to connect directly to them. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a proper value exchange. And this is where I think AdSpark is really leading the way in the industry. And it's very proper that we are um, you know, having um, the CEO of AdSpark for this conversation about one-to-one. Absolutely. Our guest for today is Ms. Gretchen Largoza. As Dennis said, the president and CEO of AdSpark. She's actually been in this industry for over 20 years, and she has experience with digital marketing and business development, which she has practiced at agencies all over Southeast Asia, including Ogilvy One, Group M, NetBooster, and Arc Worldwide. So I am excited to hear what she has to say, to be honest. So let's welcome to the show, Gretchen. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Misha. Hi, Dennis. Happy to be here and lovely to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. We are very excited for what's going to be discussed. But um, I think first off, could you give us a little primer on AdSpark for anyone who's not familiar? Sure. I'd love to tell you about what AdSpark is all about. AdSpark is a digital media plus agency creating personalized consumer experiences with the right media, the right messaging at the right time. We're also one of 917 Ventures portfolio companies. And as you know, we are at the late stage of it. Our other partners, including the 917 portfolio, are Gcash, Consulta MD. And as you know, 917 Ventures is the biggest venture builder in the Philippines. Wow. Okay. That is impressive. Yep. And, and Unilever is also, um, you know, partnering with 917 Ventures in a lot of things, um, especially anything that's about uh, one-to-one marketing and data. So maybe, Gretchen, we can actually talk about that. But really, really excited to have you in Digipod. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here as well. And being part of your third podcast, quite excited to talk about one-to-one because that's where I started CRM in my early days. So it's really a different channel and very thrilled to tell you more about how, what we could do on one-to-one. We're happy to announce that our favorite digital conference is on. IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. The theme for this year is Digicon Pop or Depop. Depop will explore how digital marketing has finally gone mainstream and become a part of pop culture. What does this mean and what possibilities lie ahead for marketers? The answer to that and many more questions will be revealed at IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. Depop will run from October 11 to 15, and we have some amazing speakers lined up, including Adam Grant, best-selling author of Originals, Give and Take, and most recently, Think Again. Celebrate it as a must-read by everybody from Oprah to Bill Gates. We'll also be welcoming Mr. Rory Sutherland, Vice Chair of Ogilvy UK and a Rockstar TED Talk speaker. For early birds, you can email digicon at futureproof.ph or visit digicon.com.ph. So don't forget, this coming October, IMAP Digicon Pop 2021. Actually, maybe we can start with that, right? So because one-to-one marketing is not a new discipline in marketing. Um, You've mentioned CRM, and CRM has been there for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But I think the digital revolution is accelerating that discipline in marketing and also changing the way uh, things are done. So maybe to your perspective, Gretchen, what exactly is one-to-one marketing in this age of digital 
No, definitely. One-to-one is not new. It's been here for a long time. It started with direct marketing. But to give you a definition of what's happening here today, where we're at, it's a CRM strategy emphasizing personalized interactions with customers. So what do I mean by personalized interactions? It's to foster greater customer loyalty and to be able to understand past interactions, past orders, their spend or their budget. Like what you guys were talking about, if I could send something to Misha or to Dennis based on what they're looking for. For example, you bought something out of Food Panda or Picaru, something like that. So it allows a particular brand to keep on top of who the business is serving, how and why. And one-to-one marketing also seeks to reinvest marketing with a personal touch that is scalable. So that is the definition I could give you guys for the time that we are in today. Okay. Okay. Could you, could you tell us what some of the challenges have been in introducing this um, to the local market? You know what? Coming from the very beginning, it's really education is the biggest challenge and also the propensity to try. That's why I always start with baby steps, even in the beginning of my career, because companies know the value of personalization. But you know what? Do you know that there's 39% of retailers send personalized products or product recommendations via email, and then 40% of companies, the, the biggest challenge is gaining insights quickly enough. So the challenges is really about the issues with poor data quality, lack of relevant technology, and the third one is to really harp on education and making people understand how personalization is very important, especially with the world we're in right now. You mentioned education. Mm -hmm. Does that mean on the part of the consumers or the part of the people making the messaging? You know what? It's both. It's both because we have to come together to be able to understand where you're at in your understanding of what one-to-one marketing is. Because some people would probably have that thingy version from a long time ago that when you buy in a Sari Sari store that you know that person who's buying from your store and you know every time at 4 p.m. they buy a particular bubble gum. You need to be able to change how people think about it and really understand how it now fits with all of the different channels that's here in our fingertips. So it's coming together with the advertisers, with the advertising agencies, with the media agencies to be able to come together and put the education on what it's all about, how is it going to be used, and what are the metrics that we need to look into. So it's really coming together as one team, especially with IMAP. Interestingly, you mentioned Sari Sari store. I think there's this uh, misconception that one-to-one marketing um, is all of, and direct marketing in general are really centralized to a few um, industry verticals, like it's like banks, for example, uh, credit cards. Do you think there is now a democratization of personalization and one-to-one marketing that even you know big uh, CPGs, FMCGs, or any business in particular can actually employ the advantages? of having that direct relationship with consumers? You know what? That's a very good question. And that one, that's one of the things that happens, especially on our end through Gcash. Do you know that there's a lot of Sari Sari stores now who has Gcash, utilizing it to be able to get business? And also the Todas in certain places in NCR 
are also using it. And you know what? Even meat and fish sellers are also using it. So yes, we are democratizing it through apps like Gcash, through apps like even of, you know, KMD. When you look at KMD, Consulta MD, it's also, you know, that Filipinos usually go to a doctor and they usually go to a specialist. And with the democratization of telemedicine, we have been able to tell the people that you can actually go to a GP and ask if you have pneumonia or even a headache, that you don't even have to go to a specialist. So those are the things that are happening, especially on one-to-one. That's really something. Um, the the penetration and the adoption numbers are most impressive in that you don't necessarily have to be a major brand or a big business to take advantage of this. Can I ask you, though, with regards to the data, to, to creating those personalized messaging, what are your primary sources uh, of data about the targets? Again, a good question. <laughs> you know what? As Park sits in a very unique position, being part of the globe ecosystem and mm-hmm. who we really are. So, mm-hmm. you know what, to answer your question, let me answer it in two ways. What sets Ads Park apart is the data-first approach that we have, that not a lot of people have. Because we have our first-party data, not only coming from the campaigns that we have, Mm-hmm. that we've called all over, uh, all over the years, but also the data that we have coming from Globe and also our 917 port codes. So those are our first-party data. And then we're infusing them as well, bashing them with third-party data that makes it more contextual. It makes it more rich to be able for us to understand who we're talking to, put together audience segments and stuff like that. So that's where we're getting our data from. Yeah, I, I think uh, everyone is saying that you know data is the new oil, and I think everyone is now drilling. Yeah, you know? um, each company is also building their own uh, first party, um, you know, databases, and um, of course, AdSpark uh, being part of the Globe ecosystem is sitting on a lot of data as well. And um, you know, is there a, an advantage if I may ask you, like for example, a company creating their own versus like you know partnering with uh, the likes of AdSpark and look use into like third-party data do you what's what's the advantage and disadvantage of of that and you know is there you know a right way of doing it or is it a, there's a better way of doing it what do you think let me answer this as a marketer instead of being part of AdSpark. definitely especially when people are saying what's going to happen in january 1 2022 when there's a coquilas world right and, or if that ever happens in january 1 2022 What we need to be able to do as marketers and if people are looking after for their brands is to be able to build their own first-party data because you could easily do it with your emails. And the good thing about it is that it's privacy-friendly and that becomes your first-party data because you've already asked the people to be part of it. You have their consent. So you need to be able to own those data, understand how you're going to infuse it with a second-party data that you could buy again which are also privacy-friendly, and also working with the likes of Google and Facebook, etc. But you need to be able to build one that you could say that it's your own so that you'll be able to look at who you're talking to, provide and learn about the behaviors and their affinity, especially, for example, with you 
Dennis with Unilever. There's a lot of different permutations that you could do from a dove to an axe to etc. So it's really building your database and the data sets that you want to be able to create. So it is beneficial for a brand or an advertiser to create their own. Interestingly, you mentioned that, Gretchen. So just to share like what we're doing with 917 Venture, we created um, you know, what we call Ucoin. Yes. So that's our own currency. Correct. Uh, but, but if you look at it, it's a rewards loyalty platform for a consumer. But for the business, it's basically a good um, source for data. Mm-hmm. And I think what you mentioned is quite correct, um, Gretchen, because normally people collect data as, uh, you know, as, as, as consumers, but more and more, we need to start collecting data as, as people. You know? yeah. We need to understand the different connections of what they do, how they basically interact with our brands, but at the same time, the passion points that they have with wh- how they consume content on the platform or maybe how they consume products using Gcash. So the, the kind of connection of all of those signals make the data richer uh, for, for an advertiser, which makes marketing a little bit targeted and better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think us doing Ucoin together really makes... Unilever in control of your own data and put the data to use to create hyper-focused types of marketing efforts. Because you know what, one of the important things that you are doing is that your your own channels, like your email, your SMS, your we could do cross-sales, upsells, and really look at attribution or churn of your current customers. And to be able to succeed in a post cookie world, for example, we will be able to gain the trust of our customers because we are transparent with the way we're using their data, how we will share it, and then making the exchange, a value exchange with our customers and us worthwhile. So that's how I'm looking at it. That's why it's very important right now to build your own data sets in your database. You mentioned hyper-focused. Um, mm-hmm. Tark, I, I wanted to ask, though, how, how do you go about transforming that data into a marketing message? How does the personalization actually work? It works in many different ways. So let me go to your first um, couple of questions before we're in. How do people do it? It's easy and it's also complicated because you have to have the tech and uh, you know the data scientists and the intervention to be able to understand certain things. So for example, when you put together the data sets, it's really identifying and creating the audiences that you have and across the key things that you want to be able to look at for high propensity, for example, to churn or say, for example, for mobile, using a churn um, prediction module will be able to identify the right channels that we would use for a specific target if it's a like for the philippines we're 80 90 percent prepaid right so we need to be able to look at the type of people because even if we're 80 percent prepaid there's a lot of different things a lot of nuances that we need to be able to understand so from there you need to understand where they are in their life stage their affinities and then be able to put together different types of lookalikes to do all of these things. So for example, we would have different types of data feeds for demographics, network consumption, 
let me look at it from a, a mobile perspective. Brand loyalty, online and offline behavior, location, persona, um, device. So all of these things will be used to put together the different types of messaging and what channel to be used so that that audience will be very, very clear on our end and when we should be talking to them. I hopefully I answered your question. You did. Thank you. It sounds like it could be a bit overwhelming mm -hmm. um, if, if you're not entirely sure what you're doing or if one isn't entirely familiar with, um, with handling data. That's and that's the reason why you need to define first your business objective and before you even collect data. Um, and a lot of companies can easily get lost with, uh, you know, what we call big data mm -hmm. uh, because all of these are basically available, whether it's first party, second party, third party. But if you don't know what you're looking for and what you're doing, then it's easy to get lost um, with it. I think, um, Gretchen, to that point, is there any advice that you can give for, for a company that is starting to um, build their databases for for one-to-one uh, -one marketing and to really build that direct connection with the consumer, what are the, the, the things that they should do or also avoid um, in order for them to make sure, to ensure that their, their campaigns are basically successful? Thank you, Dennis. My advice is, again, like I was saying, future is bright and promising. Making customers and potential customers feel important and valid is fundamentally the very basis of businesses, especially now. So in this very instantaneous world, there are three things that I'm looking at that could be something that advertisers and brands should be looking at is first is understanding your objectives and see what's available in your arsenal because you may already have it. And the only thing is you need to be able to look at it and see what you could do. Number two is that old measurement techniques will come back and it's looking at, for example, it's not about the click-through rates, but are you writing it in a way wherein people are going to do an action? Are you calling them by their first names? Do you have a call to action in the email? Or even is the copy strong enough to get them to be on board and doing all of these things? And then the third one is really about targeting and optimization. They need to be refreshed wherein you can also do tests and learning in terms of what you want to do. And the fourth one is don't be afraid to try there. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. But that being said, at what stage of a company's life cycle or, you know, of their planning, do you recommend that they bring you guys in? You could work with Aspart from the beginning when you're thinking of, hey, what could I do if I want to do personalized communication, or if you're in the middle of it, you've already sent a lot of emails, you've done a lot of SMS, or even a lot of combination things. And even at the end of it, because you need to be able to assess if you're doing the right thing or not. Because with Aspart, we're looking at the totality of the customer experience. So it's from provoking up until advocacy is what we could do. And we could even talk to you about if you're only looking for consulting, we could also do that. So there's different ways and pockets of, you know, ent entrances into working with AdSpark and even within the 917 portfolio. 
you've mentioned uh, uh, customer experience. And at the end of the day, of course, we know the value of personalization because at the end of the day, it gives delight. It gives a lot of purpose and a lot of um, usefulness for our campaigns um, in the perspective of a consumer. But uh, of course, there are a lot of uh, talks right now about you know data privacy, about um, how do we make sure that you know we stand by at one side of data ethics and not cross over to you know something that will um, cause harm to consumer. So how do we manage um, this you know balance between using data in order for marketing to be sharper, to be more targeted, and also respecting um, you know the privacy of our um, consumers? You know what? With privacy laws like GDPR clamping down, the only way right now is to really build the trust with customers. And u- utilizing the first-party data into experiences is key to a more trusting, more profitable relationship. And what do I mean by that? For example, in a company like AdSpark, where it's part of the Globe ecosystem along with the 917 portfolio companies, we have our own, shall I say, our own walled garden of publishing platforms. So that in itself provides the customers a way to be able to say that, hey, you know what, they do understand about privacy and they also take care of the data that we have. And one of the things that we're also looking at on an ad-sport perspective is brand suitability and brand safety. With brand suitability and brand safety, these are things that's sort of new to the Philippines. And based on a, there was a research that happened for Southeast Asia that we were the third country along with Malaysia that are really looking at the privacy of the customers. So we're now looking at it on a 30%. So having said that, it's really telling from the get-go with the customers because it's really about transparency and authenticity. So we need to be able to say, and if we own our first-party data, we'll be able to tell these customers how we're going to be using, how we're going to be sharing their data, and how we're going to be talking to them. So I think that alone gives it a very rich context in how we are making sure that privacy is at the center of every communication that we have. If you don't mind, uh, you mentioned earlier about how widespread uh, the adoption and how the increase in digital penetration has um, helped the industry immensely with with regards to -to one-to-one. You've had regional experience. You've been in a lot of different shops, um, a lot of different countries. How would you say that the adoption here of one-to-one practice uh, compares to um, the other countries in the region? Based on my experience, Misha, from Vietnam, Indonesia, and the Philippines, there are similarities and also differences. For example, for the Philippines and also Indonesia, there's a strong foothold in terms of how religion plays in terms of how they're adopting to certain things. For example, in Indonesia, um, Lebaran is a big thing, especially now. And there's a lot of things that people can't do, especially in the office, that we need to have to adhere to, especially in how we're communicating and stuff like that. Across all different types of industries from FMCG to even telco. In the Philippines, we sort of have something like that as well. While in Vietnam, the what I've seen it is that 
it's a cowboy country in terms of doing different things. And they're very open to a whole lot of testing and learning. Out of all of these three countries, there's a lot of similarities in terms of trying out things, but then the differences would be on the adoption of things. For example, with Vietnam, again, very cowboy in, in terms of how they're doing things that they will try. Here in the Philippines, we try certain things and then we sort of are in love with a particular thing that will do it for a long time, for a long period of time. In Indonesia, it's in the middle of Vietnam and the Philippines. So the way one-to-one -one marketing is, there will always be nuances and there will always be similarities in terms of how people are looking at things and also the values that we all have. I guess it, it really depends on the context and the culture, right? It's all about understanding the people that you serve. And when you do your one-to-one -one connection and relationship with them, you need to show that you understand what you're going through. Um, I like the example of Lebaran um, in Indonesia, which is Ramadan here. Uh, very, very big festival versus like a Tet in, in, in Vietnam or maybe a Christmas mm -hmm. here in the Philippines. And uh, this is where I think it also links to what you've uh, mentioned um, in the previous question. It's all about creating an experience. And once uh, we are able to paint that, good experience uh, to consumers, then all of a sudden, you know, um, having uh, their data shared wouldn't be a big concern to them because they already feel the value um, and the, the, the exchange that they get for sharing that data to, um, to uh, you know, a brand uh, to establish that, that connection and that relationship. Having said that, um, I just want to ask you, Gretchen, when it comes to uh, creating meaningful uh, value exchanges. Is there anything that uh, you can share with um, our listeners, especially the marketeers um, listening to this podcast? How do you craft or how do you uh, uh, create or curate um, the proper value exchange um, with um, the, 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 the people that you want to, um, to, to have a, a direct relationship with? Sure. You know what? We all know that COVID has forever changed customer experience. And based on your question, with much of life having shifted online and based on where we are right now, it's likely to stay online till the year ends, right? And it's about taking the best of both worlds. I believe that it's important to constantly change how you're learning and adapting and once, you know, the dust of COVID settles, for example, the organization that, that experimented with the many tools at their disposal would be the winners here. So for businesses to quickly adapt their marketing strategies, such as interacting with clients using online platforms, SEO is going to be a key part to it in terms of maintaining visibility of the business as well as social media, which were usually the number one of in the world, except for WhatsApp. And then COVID also has given us to be given us that particular feel of to be open-minded and be willing to try out different online channels to increase how we're talking to our um, clients or audiences, it, but also be in the lookout of 
choosing the right type of channel. It's good to try, but it's also good to see what really is attractive to you and also to your customers. And then even if it, there's going to be an increase of a lot more platforms, it's understanding the efficiency, understanding the values that a particular platform has that connects with who you are as a brand. And that I believe should be what businesses should be looking at right now, especially now. Because one of the things that we've seen is that a lot of our SMCs, unfortunately, have closed because of what's happening. And coming from IMAP, also from AdSpark, and even with a globe perspective, we'll be able to also help and understand and educate these people that they could do more businesses online and that's where the education starts. So I really am looping it back to what I was talking about earlier about education. Because that's really very important, especially with the world that we are in right now. Because for big enterprises like Unilever, etc., you know what to do. But for those small sari sari stores to... Um, an, an SME that has maybe 50 people, sometimes their understanding of personalized communication is not there yet. And maybe this is the best time for us as an industry and also as Filipinos to do something here and help in educating. And I'd love to work with you two on this one. So it looks like a one-to-one -one relationship cuts across you know, different business sizes, different business or industry verticals. And, you know, as long as you're doing digital and, um, you know, with, with data also there, anyone or any business can do one-to-one -one marketing. And I think I, I really like what you said a while ago, Gretchen, like it's all about trying. Um, there's no perfect model as of now. Everything is basically changing every day. And um, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 those who will be able to try first will most likely discover what works first and will have that competitive advantage. And, um, you know, and, and with that, I just want to, to um, you know, ask my final question. How will people or businesses uh, start or jump into, um, you know, one-to-one -one marketing? Uh, what, what can they do? A lot of people are really overwhelmed with the concept of data, the concept of privacy, it's it's really scary, you know. If you look at it, it's quite uh, you know a, a, a big topic. Um, all of a sudden, um, you know, you're trying to integrate it to your business. So, if you just like have a simple advice to those brave enough to who want to try this, uh, what can you say or what can you tell them? Yeah, all ads. <laughs> That's right. Well, that too. Uh, but you know what? Seriously, and kidding, you know, kidding aside. What they could do is talk to people who know about it. And it could be an ASPARC or any other agency who understands data and who also understands one-to-one -one marketing. And it's only a conversation anyway. It's, we're not, you're not going to pay any of these agencies for a consultation to understand where you're at. And I think that's what we need to be able to, especially now, based of what the pandemic brought upon all of us is to have these types of conversations. Number two is learn as much as you can because you'll also understand it when you Google something and learn something about it. And from your research, you could ask these people working in agencies like ours 
Thank you, Gretchen, for your insights today. I certainly learned a lot. It's been great um, chatting you up. And we look forward to seeing where the industry goes. Um, these are certainly interesting times. These are unprecedented times, but it's also good to know that there's people like you, there's AdSpark, who are helping us all to try and make sense of things in this industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dennis. And thank you, Misha. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Join IMAP in shaping the future of digital marketing, along with over 300 corporate members from brands, agencies, advertisers, tech companies, media, and startups. IMAP has spearheaded initiatives to drive digital learning, skills development, and camaraderie in the industry, like IMAP Web Wednesday, Breakfast Roundtables, Virtual Member Meetups, IMAP Academy, Youth Digital Congress, and such. To learn more about IMAP, you may download our free digital book, the only book you'll need for digital, via our official IMAP website at www.imap.com.ph and watch out for future events when you follow us on our social media pages. We now come to the part of the program where we like to end the show with a boom. Today's case study is from Manulife Philippines. It is one of their digital programs, and it was a gold and excellence in effectiveness special award winner in 2018. Dennis, what can you tell us about this campaign? Yeah, of course, they can check the case video in YouTube for sure um, for, for them to be able to um, appreciate it. But maybe for the listeners, just for them to um, have an idea, uh, what Manulife did back in 2018, take note, it's 2018, they mm -hmm. created an app where they can easily purchase and uh, curate um, you know, the education plan for their children. You know, in just like simple clicks, then you can already have an ins uh, an education insurance for your family, guaranteeing the, the the education of your children. And if you look at it, like back in 2018, I would say that it's really pioneering. Of course, now we do have a lot of platforms, a lot of fintech companies that will enable us to basically do a lot of purchases, um, whether it's insurance or whether it's basically products. But back in 2018, this was really a game changer. I was actually quite impressed um, from the insights in that it, people are more willing to trust a dedicated digital app for their financial advice rather than, you know, just what you overhear or just what somebody told you. You know, they liked the idea that they could have their professional advice with them at any time, just right there on their phone. But if you look at it, it's really um, addressing uh, a, a consumer pain point. Mm -hmm. Everyone actually tries to avoid talking to an insurance agent. Yes. You don't want to have that you know, person in front of you because it's so difficult to say no. Mm -hmm. um, knowing us Filipinos mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it, by, by transforming that into a very um, good app with proper UX and CX design, that already took out uh, the barrier uh, when it comes to um, you know purchasing your 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 insurance, um, especially insurance um, related to your to your um, you know the, the education of your children, and um, you know if 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 there's something that we can learn from this 2018 case, first you need to identify the consumer pain point. Next, you know use technology properly. You need to make sure that 
it is integrated well into the experience and make sure that you have proper UX and CX design. Um, I'm, I'm floored with how the app was designed back in 2018. It's just like simple clicks, simple taps. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get already your, your, your financial security in. <laughs> and there's no awkward conversation that comes with it. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? So I think that's that it's a very, very good case. And um, you know, and, and I think that's that's worth you know discussing in this in this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to um, you know um, studying more more cases um, in the next episodes. Absolutely. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.